You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. We are continuing a series today. It's called The Generous Life. And for those of you who are going through this season right now, chances are there's been already quite a bit of Christmas events and those kind of things. And for me and my family, we had one of those just yesterday where we went to my daughter's school and uh, we got to meet the big fella. And if you know who I mean, the big fella. Uh, there was one person in the family that did not enjoy the big fella very much, as you can see. And, and many of you have had this very same experience with your kids at times. But as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how Christmas and how, uh, you know, Santa and all these things, there's different phases in our lives when it comes to this. And, and for many of us, there's the phase as kids where we believe in Santa, right? And we get excited about this whole Christmas thing from that angle. And then there comes a point in our lives where we are Santa, right? And we're providing the gifts and those kind of things. And then there's one more phase where we look like Santa, right? And uh, that's the final phase here. Uh, but man, we have different phases. And as I was thinking about this very thing, this verse came to mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says this. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childish ways behind me. In this passage, in this verse, it talks about the growth that we progress in as Christians. And as Christians, what the hope is, is that we grow in our faith to the level to where maybe in a certain season, you are, you are a person who receives. But fortunately, God doesn't want us to just stay in the place where we just receive, receive, receive. He wants us to get to the place where we grow to the level where we give, and what begins to take place as we grow in our faith is that we stop being solely the receivers of gifts and solely the receivers of things and consumers, but we become distributors, we become givers, we become generous people, and that's what should take place in our hearts. Because if you look at a picture like this that we just showed of, of my kids, as time goes on, this picture is going to change. No longer is Jay going to be sitting in Santa's lap crying, hopefully, as a 20-year-old kid. Right? There's going to be a little bit of a different viewpoint here. And when it comes to Christians, it's the same very thing. Maybe you've been a Christian for a short amount of time, and your life is centered on wanting to receive. But the prayer is at some point that that would change, and you would become a generous giver, that you would live a generous life. And that's what this passage, and that's what this series is calling us to, to live a generous kind of life, because we know that our Father God so loved the world that he gave, and we so love our Father God that we become givers as well. So as we continue on in this series today, I think it's important to recognize, once again, that, man, we have a church that loves to give, and you know what that shows? It shows that there is people who are spending time with Jesus and they're maturing in their faith to the place where they no longer just want to receive, but they want to give back. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that we have a church made up of people who have spent time with Jesus and who want to give back, who want to be generous. And that's the kind of church we want to be. And I say it often, and I've said it in this series, that we don't just want to be a church where we meet on Sundays and then we go off and do our own thing. But man, we want to be a church that meets on Sunday and that cares for this community in tangible ways, that loves this community in tangible ways, that we're the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. 
in this series on generosity, it's just right there. It's right there in line with that vision, right there in line with that viewpoint. But throughout this series, we've talked about how God doesn't just want something from you. God wants something for you. And as I said so often, right, this series, anytime we talk about money in the church, for some it's a little bit weird. And for some it's a little bit awkward because maybe you've had some bad experiences in your life with churches talking about money. And you've had some moments where you felt like, man, they were twisting your arm behind your back trying to get you to give more and those kind of things. But the reality of this series is that God doesn't want something from you, and this church doesn't want something from you. We're not trying to pull something from you, but we're hoping that God does something in your heart. Because money and your heart, they go hand in hand. And your heart reflects what your treasure is, and it's important that we recognize that money is not our treasure, God is. And this series, God is trying to get to this place in your heart where you can let go of money a little bit easier because God is the treasure of your heart. And in Luke chapter 12, it says, for where your heart is, there your treasure is also. So the goal here is not that we get you to give more. The goal here is not that we get you to become more generous, but the goal is to get your heart in line with God so that whatever he's wanting to do through you, maybe that is give more, Maybe that is that you serve more. Maybe that is that you use your talents more, that you become more generous. But whatever it is that God's wanting to do in your heart, that those things take place as you get closer to him. So this morning, we have a new passage that we're going to get into, and that is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. So let's begin to read there. You can go ahead and turn there. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. This is a beautiful parable in scripture that Jesus is using to teach us about money. He's teaching us about Christian stewardship. He's teaching us some very important things. So let's begin to read here in verse 14 as we break it down. It says here, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So right off the bat here, what we see is that there's this businessman this master who's going on a business trip, and he's going for a long, undisclosed amount of time. And what he does as he's leaving is he pulls three of his servants together, and he gives them a certain amount of his wealth to manage while he's gone. And he says, hey, I want you to take care of this for me. I want you to manage this amount of money for me. I want you to take care of it, and I want you to expand these areas. So in verse 15, it says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once. Look at that, look at that word there. Look at that phrase. He went at once, and he put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And you could see a little bit here of the way that people are using what the master had given them. Two of them are doing well. They're going at once. They're motivated, and they're saying, you know what? I'm going to do well with what the master's given me. I'm going to do well with it. I'm going to do my very best with what he's given me. And there's one that says, hey, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the master. I'm afraid of what if I don't do this well, so I'm just going to bury it. 
But after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Think about this, that there's going to be a day where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to settle accounts with us. He's going to ask us how we did with what he had given us. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. He said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given will be given more. Whoever does not have, even if they have, will be taken from them. Let's go ahead and stop right there. Because the Lord is trying to teach us something about living a generous life here. He's trying to teach us some things about our finances. He's trying to teach us something here about how we manage those things. And I think one of the first things right off the bat that we can get from this passage that we need to get throughout this whole series is that God owns it all. He owns it all. Everything that you own, that you think you own, God owns it all. And it's an important thing that we need to grasp because what happens, one of the first steps in living a generous life is realizing that it all belongs to him anyways. In Psalm 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everything belongs to him. And let me tell you why that is so important for us to grasp. Because being generous is a little bit easier when it's not your stuff that you're giving. How many of you have ever realized that before? We're, we're in pie season, right? So I'm sure many of you coming out of Thanksgiving have eaten a lot of pie. Okay, so everybody in here has their favorite pie. So I want you to imagine that somebody gives you your very own pie. And it's yours. It's your pie to do whatever it is that you want with it. And then somebody else has maybe the same pie. It belongs to them. Aren't you more generous with somebody else's pie than you are with yours? Let's just be honest, right? Hey, anybody want some pie? This belongs to so-and-so. Here, take a slice, take a slice. Oh, this is my pie. This is going home with me. I'm not, you're not touching this one, okay? I'm divvying this up for the rest of the week because this belongs to me. And I'm giving you a silly illustration here to illustrate one thing that it's easy for us to give away something that doesn't belong to us sometimes. It's easy for us to give away something that belongs to somebody else. And when it comes to this very topic, guys, we need to remember in the back of our minds, it all belongs to God. 
So if God is prompting on your heart to give to somebody else, our mindset should be, it belongs to him anyways. It's not mine to decide. It's his to decide. And if he's asking me to give it, I'm going to give it. And it's a little bit easier to give when you know it doesn't belong to you and you know the master owns it all anyways. So he's going to give back to you because that's exactly what he does. I remember years ago uh, living in Dallas and being in Bible school and, and one day a, a homeless man coming in. And this guy was trying to get back on track. In fact, in that time he was living in his car and he says, hey, I've got a big interview coming up. And I'm so excited to finally have this opportunity because I've been working so hard to try to get back on track. And I have this interview coming up, and um, just, just pray for me. So we prayed for him for this interview, me and this other guy. And this other guy at the time, he's a college student just like me. He doesn't have much. And he's wearing this, his only nice outfit. And as he's wearing this nice outfit, he recognizes that this guy doesn't look very sharp in what he's wearing. And he asks him, hey, is this all that you own? Is this the only clothes that you own? Do you have something nice to be able to wear to your interview? He says, no, this is all that I have. It's all that I got. And in that moment, this guy looks at him and he says, hey, I want you to have what I'm wearing. Let me go get a change of clothes. He goes and gets a change of clothes. He takes off the one nice outfit that he has and he hands it over to this guy because he has this mindset that says, hey, this clothes, it doesn't belong to me. These things, they don't belong to me. They belong to God. And however God wants to use them, God, you can use them however you want. It was easy for him to give in that moment. It was easy for him to hand that over. And friends, we don't always know the end of the story because, man, I can't tell you what happened there. I can't tell you whether or not the guy got the job. I can't tell you whether or not everything worked out for him. But what I do know is that in that moment, he knew, my friend knew, this doesn't belong to me. I'm willing to give it, and he gave generously, and God has blessed him for that. If not just for joy, right, to, to know that he helped somebody else, God has blessed him in so many other ways as well. So recognizing that God owns it all is very important in this passage that we just read. Number two is realizing that a good manager simply manages the way they would believe the owner would want them to. So let me explain that. If God owns it all, Simply what we are doing is we're managing what he's given us. And the best way to manage something is to get to know the owner. It's to get to know the owner and figure out how he wants you to manage his things. Let me give you another example. During the same time, uh, I'm a high school student living in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And in Carlsbad, New Mexico, there's this beautiful river. It's called the Pecos River. And it runs through town. And there's some wealthy people that live on each side of the river there. And what they do is during Christmas time is they decorate the backside of their houses very, very nicely with lights. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And they have Christmas on the Pecos where you get on a boat and you can see all these lights as you go down the river. Well, one of the things that I did was I worked at this place where you gave hot chocolate to people and they paid for it and uh, there was different things that they could order. And it was one of the things that just a, a, a businessman in the church, he owned this. And, and, and one of the cool things about it is because I had a relationship with this businessman, I knew his heart and I knew how he wanted to operate his business. So there would be times where somebody would be standing there and it didn't seem like they had any money and they really wanted a hot chocolate. 
And I could easily say, because I knew the owner and I knew how he wanted to operate his business, here's a hot chocolate for you. If somebody forgot their wallet and they already ordered all of these hot chocolates, there's one businessman, if I didn't know him and I thought he was a Scrooge, I could say, hey, sorry, we are not going to be able to help you. But because I knew this guy's heart and I knew his generosity, I could say, here, go ahead. We all have a day like that. And, and the important thing that we need to realize is that if we're going to be good managers of what God has given us, it's going to require a relationship with the master. It's going to require understanding his heart, understanding his mindset, understanding how he operates. And the only way to do that is to spend time with him, is to spend connected time with him. Because there's going to be some moments in your life that opportunities are going to pop up for you to be a giver, and because you know his heart, you're going to know exactly what to do in that moment. And what this is called is this is called Christian stewardship. And what, it, what that means, the definition here is utilizing and managing all the resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Right? We're saying, I'm doing it for the glory of God. God, what, how could I use this today for your glory? How could I manage this better today for your glory and for the betterment of people? How can I manage that? That's Christian stewardship. But to manage the way the owner wants requires an understanding of the owner. But the big question here that I want to ask you is, are you reflecting the owner? I want you to think about your finances. I want you to think about your ability to give. And I want to ask you the question, are you reflecting the owner of all of your stuff? Are you reflecting him well? When people look at your life, do they see a generous God working through your life? When they see the way that you operate, do they see a generous God at work in you? Does that reflect? What reflects out of you as you live your life? What reflects on to others? But one of the important keys in this passage is what God says to the people who are doing well. Do you remember what he says? He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that at the end of your lives? Man, we want to hear that. We want to hear that from the master. We want to hear that from God. God desires for those who follow him to be faithful. And we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, when we die. When we go to heaven and we stand before God, we want to hear, well done, not, well, you're done, right? We want to hear, well done. So the big question today is, how do we get there? How do we become faithful stewards? How do we manage things well the way God wants us to, so that at the end of our lives, he can look at us and he can say, well done. How do we get there? What are the steps that we need to take? Well, the big question today is how can we be faithful stewards of all that God has given us to manage? And I think the important thing that I want you to understand, where you're sitting at today, take some baby steps. Take some baby steps. Because there's a certain way that God wants you to operate when it comes to finances. There's a certain amount that maybe he wants you to give. There's a certain amount that he wants you to save. There's a certain amount that he wants you to use to manage well. And the way you're going to get there is by taking a little step at a time. I've got a one-year-old son right now who's just beginning to walk. 
And as he takes those baby steps, I'm telling you, any step that he takes, I am excited about it. And you know what? When it comes to your finances, there's some that at this point, let's be honest, your finances, you would say, are a mess. And God's not looking down and judging you. He's excited as you begin to take some steps towards health. He's excited as you begin to take some baby steps towards generosity. He's excited about every step that you take. So let's begin to take some steps forward. Let's begin to do that. Because how we manage our money is important to God. It's so important to him. And our aim as a church is to help you to navigate through these financial issues, to help you to navigate through these things well. And number one, it's going to require some intentionality and planning. Say, really? Intentionality and planning? I'm just more of a free spirit, Jesse. We just go with the flow, you know, we just make it happen. And I understand that too. But there's some things in our lives that we are very good at planning at. Sometimes we're very good at our meal plans and, man, everything needs to be planned out to the T. Every ingredient and everything that we're going to eat throughout this week needs to be planned out, written out in a notebook, ready to go. Some of us are very detailed with our workout plans to where every rep and every set and every workout is planned out. But shouldn't it be that whenever it comes to something like money that God wants us to be good stewards of, that we would spend an equal amount or more time spending time being intentional, spending time planning, spending time saying, Lord, I'm taking this serious because I want to be a good steward of all that you've given me, so I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to plan this very, very well. That's what God is calling us to. So a couple of things that we can begin to do is this principle called give, save, live. As I said before, some of you might not be able to do this all in one step. And that's okay. Break it up into little baby steps that are going to help you to be able to get there. But what Give, Save, Live is, is that you give 10% back to the local church. The 10% of what you make, that you give it back in a tithe back to the church. And let me spend some time talking about baby steps when it comes to this step. There's some of you that 10% just seems unreasonable. That 10% just seems crazy more than you can give. And you know what? We want to help you to take baby steps. So I would say go 3%, go 5%. Figure out what you can begin to give back to the local church and begin to work your way up until you get to the top. And that's how many of us have gotten there over the years. And you'd say, well, Jesse, you're getting back into this whole money thing, give to the church thing. So let me stop right here because I understand that there's some of you who have had some major amount of trauma when it comes to money and the church. And there's some of you that are distrusting of the church because of things that you've experienced in the past. And there's some of you who have issues in that way. And let me speak to you. And let's just say that this is 1%, 1% of you in here that I would say if that is such a big issue for you and you're saying, I just have a hard time trusting the church, that I would say begin to give another way. Begin to take the baby step forward so that you could build trust giving elsewhere and then eventually maybe you'll build up the trust to give to the local church to where you can get there. So as I said, don't use this as a cop-out, but there's 1% of you, maybe 10% of you who have had these kind of issues and we want to help you as a church to take the baby steps forward 
so that you can be a giver, so that you can be the kind of giver that God wants you to be. 10%, 10%. The next thing would be to save 10%. That everything that you give, that God wants us to save, that God wants us to be wise, and we see throughout Scripture in the book of Proverbs so many points of wisdom when it comes to money. And one of those points is that we are to be savers, that we are to save. And when you begin to save, it allows you to be more generous eventually because you're not always so tight in the budget. You've got money saved up that you can be generous with. So give, save, live, and you live on the other 80%, but you begin with giving to the Lord through the local church Tithing is a biblical concept. You save to be prepared for emergencies, to be prepared to give and to help others, and you live on the rest. But as I said, you start small. Those baby steps are so, so important. But some other principles that I think are so important, and we're getting a little bit more practical here, but I think it's so important. These are all biblical concepts, is to avoid debt. As I mentioned before, the book of Proverbs, right, it has principles. And one of those principles when it comes to your finances is to do your best to avoid debt, to do your best. I understand that in the world we live in, that some of that is required, that some of that is needed, right? But if you can help it, avoid debt. Do what you can to be able to avoid that. Build the right habits, begin to avoid debt, begin to give, save, live, The next thing is to choose simplicity. Choose simplicity. Live a simple life within your means and keep your means reasonable. In the world that we live in, there's a whole lot of comparison happening. Let me compare the size of my house. Let me compare the style of car. Let me compare the clothes that I wear. Let me compare everything. And we don't want to be people who compare. We want to live reasonably. We want to live simple And that'll help us when it comes to our finances. We realize that money is a tool, a means to an end, and we don't live our lives for money. Not only that, but we regularly evaluate how we're doing with our finances. And we look regularly to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. But you know what? None of these things that we're talking about can happen unless we get one thing right. And that's our hearts. And the way that we get our hearts right is through a relationship with Jesus. And as we develop that relationship with the master, what begins to take place in us is that God enables us to work with our finances a little bit better. That God enables us through his wisdom, through scripture, that God enables us through the Holy Spirit to be able to say yes, to be able to say no, and that God helps us to do well when it comes to these things. But friends, Money is so important, it reflects your heart. It's not the end of the world, it's not the most important thing in our lives, but we recognize that a lot of the problems we have sometimes revolve around money, that there's relational problems that we have, there's personal problems that we have, and if we can get this right, it'll resolve a lot of stress in our lives. If we can get this right, not only that, but it'll allow us to be generous, and that generosity will produce a whole ton of joy in our lives. And when you live your life in this way, I'm confident that you'll get to the end of your life and you'll hear from the Lord, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I think that's where we all want to be. Thanks for listening. 
For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.